Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast to my guest, Michael Reeder. How are Hi, you, everyone. Michael? <laughs> How are you, Michael? I'm doing good, Diogen. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing great, uh, and uh, fortunately, I am uh, still still uh, healthy and safe uh, at the moment, uh, in spite of the pandemic. I hope it is the same for you and your relatives, uh, Michael. Yes, sir. Uh, fortunate that everyone is safe and healthy, and everyone's taking the proper precautions in this um, this uh, this odd world that we find ourselves in the past four to six weeks. But uh, thankfully, everyone's healthy. So, yes, yeah, thank you for asking. I'm glad that everyone on your end is is safe as well and healthy. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks, and um, and yes, we will approach uh, during the interview. We will approach uh, uh, the the subject um, uh, of the pandemic, uh, but not of of course not as a medical people, but more as a as a, as as business owners in our industries. So, uh, but let's first start with uh, uh, you, Michael, uh, in your uh, with your career story, so that the audience get to know you. Sure, absolutely. So, my name is Michael Reeder, uh, 33 years old, out of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, I own two businesses. I own a business. I own a CPA firm, a full service accounting and tax practice. And I own a business brokerage franchise consulting firm. So both businesses are physically located in in the greater Chicago area, uh, both working with clients locally and nationwide uh, with the business brokerage franchise consulting firm, uh, also able to work with 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 buy side franchise candidates in Canada as well. Um, so a backstory about how I got here. So in 2010, I graduated college and I met my uh, then boss, forever mentor, now partner, Barry Swartz, who's owned his own accounting and tax practice uh, since the 1970s. So he's been a CPA since the 1960s and he's had his own accounting and tax practice, a, a CPA firm since the 1970s. And it was called Swartz Financial Management Inc. Up, uh, you know, throughout the years. And I met him in 2010. It was still Swartz Financial Management Inc. I met Barry out of college. He taught me the ropes in uh, the accounting and tax industry. And I, I self-studied for the CPA my first, uh, my first few years working for Barry. And then in 2015, I became a partner uh, of the accounting and tax practice, and we switched the name to Swartz and Reader Advisors. So uh, I've been in the accounting and tax world uh, for you know for for close to nine for for close to ten years, for about nine and a half years now. Uh, November will be my my tenth year working with Barry, and I've been a, I've been an owner since 2015. Uh, and my business brokerage franchise consulting firm, it is a firm that it's a it's a consultancy that operates like real estate agents. But instead of helping people buy and sell real estate, we help them buy and sell businesses, both franchise and non-franchise. And that business has been in operation since 2015. And so uh, 2014 and 2015 were very uh, pivotal, pivotal years in my 
uh, professional life because uh, that is how uh, those are the years when I I I I I got involved in the in the franchise consulting and business brokering mm-hmm. world, which is where I really which is really what my niche is uh, today and and has been the last half decade. Um, oh, right. go ahead, Diogen. Were you going to say something? Yeah, yeah, because in both in in 2015 you started the business brokerage firm as well as you as well as becoming a, a partner in with the with Schwartz, uh, the accounting and uh, uh, tax practice. Uh, what uh, when when did you uh, so which one uh, started first? Did you become a partner then uh, started the brokerage firm or the other way around? That's a good question. So they really happened kind of similar. Um, I, I I became a partner. January 1st of 2015. And we started our business brokerage franchise consulting firm in July of 2015. So technically, I became a partner in the CPA firm first. But, but so that so both of those things happened in 2015. But what happened in 2014 was uh, our, our CPA firm, we acquired another smaller CPA firm here in the greater Chicago area in 2014. And then in 2015, we purchased another one as well. But, um, and so I was 27, 28 years old at the time, and I needed something more. I, I had this, I, I, you know, I'm realizing more and more as the years go on that I, I have this entrepreneurial spirit in me that's been manifesting itself, you know, over time more and more now that I've been more and more self-aware of it. And so in, I needed something more than just doing people's taxes all day. I was 27, 28 years old. And so in 2014, when we purchased another CPA firm, all that went into buying another business was really interesting to me. And coincidentally enough, one of the the clients that we got in that book of business, the one that we acquired in 2014, uh, was a self-employed franchise consultant. And we still do this gentleman's taxes to this day. But anyways, 2014 was the first year that I ever heard of what a franchise consultant is. So as I would do his tax return, I would pick his brain about how his industry works. And he would tell me mm-hmm. pretty much how he works from his home office and he connects uh, franchisors to franchise buying candidates across the country and in Canada, and he gets paid commissions by the franchisors. So here I am, I just bought a business. And so now in 2015, so here I, cause then we bought another CPA from 2015 as well. And yeah. so here I am in 2015, I just bought a couple businesses myself in my respective industry, the, the accounting and tax industry. Mm-hmm. And also I just got a, I just got a tax client who's in the business of helping people buy businesses. So this was this, this I realized was my, this was that thing that I was looking for. Like it, it yeah. found me. I didn't really, I mean like through my day-to-day action, like it's kind of like, you know, it, like it, it, like everything kind of happened, like, you know, is a perfect timing of everything because I was mm-hmm. looking for something else to do other than just taxes. And so here I am. And I, and I just bought a couple of businesses, just got this client who's in the business of buying businesses. So I realized that in, in 2015 is when I made the decision to open up my own business brokerage franchise consulting firm and operated as a separate and operated as a separate company simultaneously with my CPA firm. So that's what I did. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing, and uh, there are uh, there are two things I think um, uh, that I, I want to to come on is uh, the, the subject of mentorship uh, and how to choose your mentor and keep your mentors, and um, 
the 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 subject of uh, of course purchasing a business what what has to be uh, uh, looked at um, so first with regards to mentors it seems to me that uh, so for your accounting practice you had a mentor that you uh, met uh, at school and for uh, starting your brokerage business you also had a, a mentor which is the the same the same self employed uh, franchise consultant so so do you uh, maybe identify mentors completely spontaneously or, or you were already thinking, okay, if I want to get ahead, I really need to have someone who can, uh, who can guide me? That's a really good question. And so for me and my own personal experience, the mentors that I have in my life, uh, so Barry Swartz, uh, Barry Swartz uh, in, in, in the CPA firm and the gentleman, um, the gentleman who's a franchise consultant um, in the franchise world, they both happened spontaneously for me in my own experience. Uh, mm -hmm. and I'm glad that it did happen because having, having mentors is a real valuable thing to have. And so, you know, I, I, because what mentors bring to the table is they bring years and years, decades of experience and they're sharing it with you. And, and that's something, that's something that a lot of people out there um, that are that are making a living, trying to make a career, you know, make career, pers uh, you know, endeavors, business endeavors. Um, if they don't have the luxury, really, it is a luxury. And I've been very fortunate to, to, to have Barry as my mentor throughout the years in the accounting and tax world. Um, uh, by having a mentor, they open up their decades worth of experience and wisdom to you. And so I've had that privilege working with Barry. And so he's taught me the ropes in the accounting and tax industry. And, and as, and, and, and as is the, the natural um, occurrence of a mentor, mentoree, like a mentorship relationship between mm -hmm. the, the mentor and the, the protege, if you want to call it that yeah. um, the, uh, the, like, like for me, what, like throughout the years, I've been able to absorb all of the teachings of Barry in the accounting and tax industry for our, for our, for our accounting and tax practice, and then absorb it all and then figure out what to do things better in this world that we live in. And so that's what, you know, so we have a real good, like we have a real nice mixture of old school and new school. Uh, and my wife Mimi works with us as well, and she's really tech savvy. So she's more of the new school with me. And, um, and so, but having that mentorship with Barry has allowed me to um, learn from someone with decades of experience, which has really mm -hmm. provided me, uh, it's, it's been really able to accelerate my career path by having that, that, that insight, not really inside information, but just like someone who's right there, who's just, you know, opening up all of their wisdom to me um, sure. with, with, with an open heart and pure love because, you know, we're in this together. We're, we're business partners. Like it's, it's in his, it's in his, um, it's in his interest to teach me everything because I'm the one that's going to keep the business going me and Mimi. And so, and, and our team, and that's what we've been doing. And, 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 and it gave me the platform that I needed to get my base and foundation. So then I can, I can apply the the new school, like you know, because Barry is a very talented and smart accountant, but he's more old school. And so, yeah, when it comes to, uh, yeah, go ahead. Maybe give some differences between uh, old school and new school, or what? What are you thinking about when you say that? Sure. So, uh, 
so Barry is uh, old school in the terms like he can still he can still do a lot of calculations like on a piece of paper with a pencil and an adding machine. Um, he can take a tax return and he can he, he can analyze it. Um, you know, like they like because like the way that they would do it, like in the 70s and the 80s, like when, uh, you know, like a lot of paper and pencil and new school, really, I mean, in the context of just this di- this digital world that we live in and, you know, doing everything on the computer with software and mm-hmm. having a paperless um, having a paperless workflow system. Uh, and so that like a lot of the latter is what me and Mimi have implemented over the over the the time that we've been with Barry, Barry was really a, a very um, he's always been a very uh, smart accountant. But he what what he needed help with his practice is what and and this is what what what, what I provided value in w- with Mimi when when we became more involved and I became a partner is um, and and uh, it, it has just been getting all of the internal processes of the CPA firm more up to speed with the world that we live in today. That's yeah. the the old school versus new school um, that I think of when I when I talk about um, those two types of uh, techniques and approaches and just kind of styles, really, because mm-hmm. Barry, uh, like, um, you know, like he he didn't really uh, adapt like he didn't really adapt to, um, you know, learning the software himself and stuff. But uh, but but to his credit, you know, but he surrounded himself with young people like me in order yeah. to help him improve the business and get it to where it needs to be yeah which is the great quality of uh, of a ceo or or a partner in a company is to know your weaknesses and then uh, hire people that will uh, cover those uh, those weaknesses uh what was barry also uh, uh, or already uh, pur- purchasing other uh, cpa companies no uh, uh so i joined barry in 2010 uh, my wife Mimi joined Barry in 2000. You know, she joined us in 2013, and and we had never, he had never bought any other businesses. Um, he would like he cultivated his client list over the decades. Uh, he grew it from zero to what it is, like to what it was, uh, and then in 2004, and then uh, in January, in, in February of 2014, we purchased our first business. What happened was um, we have a. Uh, there was a gentleman in, in in our network that uh, that that does a lot of the retirement plan uh, set up for a lot of our clients, and this and this guy was uh, renting space. Uh, uh, his office was uh, he was renting his office space from another CPA, and this mm-hmm. other CPA was was uh, was uh, diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he was and he pretty much like had a short had a short timetable from the doctor to live. So he had his CPA practice and he uh, didn't have any exit strategy. So so this retirement plan specialist colleague of ours connected us with his CPA landlord and the CPA landlord um, met with me and Barry and pretty much told us his, his medical situation and he didn't know how much longer he had to live. So he wanted to uh, come up with an exit strategy. Uh, so in case he were to pass away, that uh, you know he would sell his practice uh, to another CPA, which mm-hmm. is you know Swartz and Reader Advisors, our CPA firm. We ended up buying it, and uh, and 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 the the selling price would be paid out to to his uh, spouse and his estate in, in in the event that he were to pass away. And because if, if he did not 
come up with any sort of exit strategy and he were to die, then all of his clients would have pretty much just gone in a hundred different directions and they all would have found new accountants. So long story short, in February of 2014, we, uh, we, we made a deal with this gentleman. And then for like the, the next two or three months that followed that, um, he played the role of facilitator. Uh, as, as all of his clients would come in to get their, their taxes prepared, he would facilitate uh, introductions between all of his clients and me and Barry and Mimi. And so, uh, and, and he introduced us as the new owners and he's facilitating introductions. And he was telling all of his clients that he's sick. And if case anything were to happen to him, then we would be here to keep the practice going. So that's mm-hmm. what we did. And so that was in February of 2014. And this gentleman, he actually died in May of 2014. So in those oh, three wow. months, uh, yeah. he facilitated uh, as many introductions as possible. And so um, when it went, when it was all said and done, some clients left, but the majority of them stayed. Mm-hmm. And um, and and we had a uh, and, and we had an agreed upon buyout period that we we pretty much we we paid his widow over uh, a specified period of time. And so it worked out great for for, for everyone. Um, we we grew our business. We added his book of business and absorbed it into our book of business. Um, the clients didn't have to scramble and find a new accountant. And uh, this gentleman, he passed away, but his family got a payout that they would not that they would not have gotten if if we didn't make this deal. So that was the first business, and then and then so that was the first business that we purchased. And then in 2015. Um, is like I, there was, was the, like, I, I started to get into biz by sell, which is, uh, today's largest, um, internet, uh, business marketplace. It's like the, it's like the, um, the, the MLS or the Zillow, uh, for the business resale world. So I started looking on biz by sell. I started looking at, um, I got, like I joined these, uh, um, these uh, email campaigns, these these marketing campaigns for these uh, accounting. There are brokers out there that specifically only deal in the accounting world, and so uh, I started getting all of these like email updates whenever accounting practices would pop up for sale in the greater Chicago area. Mm-hmm. And I, I I almost bought three more of them. I almost bought three more, uh, but I only I, I but like we were going to grow too fast, so I I only bought one of them which was in the Western suburbs of, of the Chicago area. So that's how we bought the second one. I pretty much just got a little trigger happy on the internet after we bought this first practice uh, from the gentleman who passed away. And um, the second practice that we bought was another small practice. And I, and I just found that one on the internet and, uh, and, and we bought it. Okay, so now on the on the subject of uh, of uh, purchasing another another CPA company and purchasing a company in, in general. So in, in the audience, there will be a, a, a lot of People that are freelancers, solopreneurs, or owners of uh, of small businesses that so they could want to uh, so as a solopreneur. I think it's difficult to be sold, but if you have a small business, you can uh, you can uh, sell your business. But in terms of uh, in terms of acquiring, so what do you what do you look at when you uh, want to buy a, a company? And maybe why a, a CPA? Is it because it's the industry that you uh, that you understood? Yeah, so that was so for us, it made sense to buy a, another CPA firm because it was it was an industry that we understood. They were uh, th- the company that we were buying was providing services that we already provide. We already had the infrastructure to to absorb that client list and to and to pretty much just start servicing those clients. We didn't have to 
build really anything from scratch. We just had to take on the client list. And it was a way for us to quickly accelerate our growth, you know, by buying another book of business and, you know, getting uh, several hundred clients through that acquisition, uh, as opposed to getting those several hundred clients organically, uh, you know, over time, just through uh, uh, traditional marketing channels uh, mm-hmm. and advertising, it accelerated the growth by acquiring another business. So uh, th- that was why we wanted to uh, uh, to acquire a- another CPA firm. Absolutely. Okay. And do, do you do you ask the uh, the current owners to to stay with you during a certain period of time is there like an earnout uh, period uh, after you purchase the, the the company absolutely yeah so um a lot of a, a lot of the um a lot of the the purchase price is, is like and the buyout formula uh in, in the service industry uh so like you know cpa is a service uh is a service and so uh, um a lot of the like these are like so we mainly deal in like you know smaller market deals like the, the like this deal that we're talking about right now like me like our firm purchasing another CPA firm is a is a is a is a small is a small deal compared to like you know these huge acquisitions of these multi-million dollar corporations out there and so on these smaller deals only five figures six figures six figures Six figures, huh? Okay. Yeah, okay. but like everyone has their own definition of like what is small, and so exactly. like, like six <laughs> figures is a lot of money to a lot of people, including myself. But you know, I'm not like, but it's not like a nine-figure deal. Like we're not talking like like we're not dealing in the in in, in the uh, in the M and A in the merger and acquisition space of of multi-million billion-dollar corporations. Hey, maybe one day we will. But on this smaller level of these six-figure, seven-figure transactions, mm-hmm. especially in the service industry. There's a lot of a lot of the the buyout is 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 retention based. So, for example, like uh, a a a purchase price will be agreed upon in principle, but then it would be paid out over a specified period of time, maybe three or five years, and it'll get readjusted based on the true retention of mm-hmm. the client list. Because a lot of you know, because it because a for example, like in the CPA firm, these like uh you know like they're called like they're considered like seller finance deals. Like seller finance deals are really um are are really uh are are really um you know, sought out after from the buyer because the buyer yeah. needs to know what the buyer is getting. And if, like, and the, the main value that the, that the buyer is acquiring is a client list. Well, yeah. if you, if you buy a client list based on the value on day one, but then after the first year, let's say that the seller just disappears and doesn't take the time to facilitate those relationships, then the value plummets because all of those mm-hmm. clients just leave or like half the clients leave. So a lot of the, a lot of these deals, and especially in the CPA world, are structured on some sort of seller finance deal that's based on retention. So, like the, the value of the of the business, it may be computed based on either uh, a multiple of gross revenue or a multiple of EBITDA. A lot of that is subjective, and uh, and it depends on the, the negotiations between the buyers and the sellers. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it starts out as 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 a certain agreed upon it, it starts out as a as as one number but then it's it's subject to change based on retention so the yep. payout happens over time so that's why it's important to have the seller stay on board for as long as possible uh to facilitate relationships in order to keep the client retention as strong as possible yeah yeah so the the, the strongest value is really the client's list and uh, uh maybe you will uh you will explain a bit to the audience the seller financed deal uh, uh what, what it is and um uh, j- just for the audience as well uh, you mentioned an uh, acronym that is pretty uh 
common in the financial world is uh, EBITDA, which is uh, the earnings before uh, interest, taxes, de de depreciation and amortization, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe, yeah, well, by seller finance deal, what, what, what it is, because it looks, it, it might look interesting for any uh, uh, small business owner that want to uh, make a purchase. Absolutely. So a seller finance deal is definitely, and, and you said it, Diogen, for someone who's looking to make a purchase, which means like the buyer, like I, I heavily recommend uh, when, when you're on the buy side, whether you are the buyer or you are someone who is representing a buyer, uh, always negotiating for a seller finance deal is always beneficial to the buyer. The seller may not like it because the seller wants to collect, collect cash, collect cash ASAP, but uh, pretty much a seller finance uh, deal is essentially, let's say that a buyer and a seller agree in principle to a purchase price of the business of uh, $500,000. So the buyer is going to buy the business from the seller for $500,000. And the buyer is going to put $100,000 down as a down payment. And the other $400,000 is going to be seller finance. That means that the seller is going to pretty much carry the receivable for that four hundred thousand dollars and get paid over time from the buyer. So the like, the the the, the, the uh, like, uh, a buyer and a seller. Could, like, so someone can say, okay, like, I, I'm going to buy your your CPA practice for five hundred thousand dollars, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to pay and so I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars now. And then the other $400,000, I'm going to pay you out over three years. And during those three years, I need you, Mr. Seller or Mrs. Seller, to stay on board. And, uh, you know, like I'll pay you as like, a, like some sort of like fee for your time uh, mm -hmm. that's separate um, to, to stay on board and help facilitate relationships. And so. Um, and and so the um, the and then so over time, the. The, the remaining $400,000 will get paid out over time, seller financed, as opposed to bank financed, such as um, uh, I'm going to buy your firm for $500,000 and I'm going to take out a bank loan in order to, to pay you, seller, $500,000 at closing. Mm -hmm. But now I owe the bank. I, now I owe the bank all this money. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like I give the, I make a down payment to the bank for a hundred thousand dollars. Now I owe the bank $400,000. Uh, you want the seller. Cause like once, once like it's a bank financing, then no matter what happens with the retention, you owe the bank, whatever you owe the bank on that loan. But if it's a seller finance deal, you can stipulate it where, okay, like we're going to start it out 500,000. I'm going to put a hundred down and it's going to be seller finance for the next 400. However, if retention decrease, like this valuation of 500 is, is, is based upon keeping the same client retention. If, if, like if, if retention, if retention decreases over the next three or five years, like uh, then, then the valuation is also going to decrease as well. So then that seller finance portion will decrease in value as time. That way the buyer uh, protects themselves by making sure that they don't overpay for the practice over time. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yes, that's a very good uh, protection for the buyer. And uh, it's also a good segue with uh, the fact that in 2015, you created uh, a business brokerage firm. Um, what, what, what's the business model there? And uh, do you have maybe just one story? Um, you don't have to give names of companies, of course, uh, one story to tell the audience. Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
I really like by actually buying a couple businesses myself and then and then getting introduced to the franchise world uh, from my my client who's a franchise consultant. We decided to open up our own our, our own business brokerage franchise consulting firm, and we operate like we're we're brokers, but we're not real estate brokers. We're not insurance brokers. We're not securities brokers. We are business brokers, and we help people buy and sell businesses, both franchise and non franchise, and. Um, Fran, so buying a business. So let's talk about the buy side. Uh, I, I, there are a lot of people out there that want that that want to be business owners, and a lot of people out there think that in order to be a business owner, you have to start a business from scratch, uh, come up with your own idea, go through the startup phase, and and start your own business. And a lot of people try it and they fail, and only a few of them succeed. And like that's like the common story about the what it takes to be a business owner and that's one way of doing it but what we like to do on the buy side uh with our business brokerage is as business brokers is we bring awareness to the world of the business resale world to people who want to be business owners so in like if you want to be a business owner starting a business from scratch is one way of doing it but another way of doing it is buying an already existing business whether it be a non-franchise business resale, such as the independently owned restaurant in your neighborhood or the, the independently owned um, um, auto body shop in your neighborhood or the independently owned um, manufacturing company, uh, you know, that's like uh, five miles away from, uh, you know, that, that uh, like, so like, those are examples of not like any business, like the, the dry cleaner, um, you know, the, uh, any business that you can think of, the locksmith, like any business, like any business that's not a franchise, any business that's out there, uh, that that and the seller wants to sell, there's a market for it. Like they're like like the seller can sell their business, and you can buy that business, and you can take it over, as opposed to starting a business from scratch. Now, a big subsect of the business resale world is franchising, because the franchise business model is. Uh, you uh, you are investing in you are you are paying a franchise fee to the franchisor and you're paying ongoing royalties in exchange for investing in an already existing business model. So whether you are buying a new territory of a franchise business system or you're purchasing a resale of a franchise business system, um, mm-hmm. franchising is a real popular model in the business. Bro- is a real popular. Um, business model in the business brokering world because it is a very common way for people who want to be business owners to buy a business without having to start it from scratch and they have the support of the franchisor which is not the case when you're buying a independently owned non-franchise business so uh we work with people on the buy side we work with candidates um similar to how employment recruiters work so employment Mm -hmm. recruiters when it comes like in, in in the franchise world, um, employment recruit. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, employment. So employment recruiters, their clients are are the employers, mm-hmm. and they go out and they headhunt for 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 candidates, and mm-hmm. and they and they and they find candidates to to place in the job. And yeah. if the candidate, and then if they if they if they place a candidate with one of their employer clients, then the employer client will pay the the employment recruiter a commission. So franchise consulting operates in the same way. The in the franchise world, uh, franchise consulting, the franchisors are really like the clients, and the fran and the role of the franchise consultant is to go out and to uh, and to generate and to 
to lead gen for and to find candidates to find candidates people out there that want to in that that want to buy a business and so uh there are people out there that want to buy a business uh for multiple different reasons there are people out there that that have gotten um that that have uh, that that are sick of the the corporate life and they want to try something on their own uh, there are people that are out there that want to keep their corporate job, but they want to operate. They want to operate a franchise business uh, semi-passively as a supplementary mm-hmm. income stream, in addition to their their main corporate job income. Uh, there are people out there that got that got uh, laid off from their corporate world, from their corporate job, and instead of going to another corporate job and risking getting laid off again, whether it be because of off their job gets offshored or their job gets replaced by automation and, and AI. Uh, they want to, instead of taking that risk again and getting laid off, they want to try something uh, where they are their own boss. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, and, and, and a lot of these people, so it, 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 a, a lot of these people that want to buy businesses, they've, they've built up wealth over the decades. And, uh, and so, because if you want to invest in a franchise, or even if you want to buy a business, you need to have an, uh, uh, you need to have wealth, you need to have some degree of wealth, uh, depending on, you know, like you need to have some sort of liquidity, some sort of assets in order to buy a business, because that's the trade off, right? Like, if yeah. you're starting a business from scratch, then, then the the pro is that it may not be like you may like you you really can start from nothing and you don't need to come up with like 50 100,000 or more you know for, like, whatever like, cuz every investment level is different mm-hmm. but um but but that's time like it may take you a lot of time like that's the negative of starting a business from scratch it might take yeah. years before you get ever get it off the ground running on the flip side when you're buying a when you're buying a business resale whether it's franchise or non-franchise the the, the 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 pro is time you can start you can you're buying a business you're you're buying an already existing business model that that's got systems and processes in place that already has a client list that already has staff and you just have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to keep the wheel spinning. And exactly. so, but, but on the flip side, the negative is that it costs money. You have to have the money to, to buy it. Like, right. like is it going to cost you, are you going to have to come up with a hundred thousand dollars, a half million, a million plus, whatever it is. So that's the trade-off. So there's a whole market, there's a whole pool of buyers out there uh, that, that are out there that, that are, that are, that are interested, that are searching the internet, that are looking to buy businesses, both franchise and non-franchise. And it's the, and, and that's the business model of the, of the, of the business broker franchise consultant to, to, uh, to, to lead gen to, 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 to find those buyers and to, and, and to connect them with, if they want to buy franchises to, to introduce them to various different franchise business models that are out there for them to choose from in, in, in all different yeah. sorts of industries. Like when people think of franchise businesses, they think of QSR restaurants like uh, Dunkin' Donuts, Subway, Tim Hortons, yeah. you know, yeah. but there's so many, there are franchise businesses in all different types of industries. Uh, and so bringing awareness to all the different types of franchise businesses that are out there. And then when it comes to, and then there's a whole non-franchise business resale market as well. And so biz buy sell b i z b u y s e l l is currently today's uh status quo it's the it's the internet's largest business for sale marketplace and so that's where you would go if you were a buyer if you wanted to uh, scan through their listings to see all the different types of businesses for sale uh non-franchise and franchise uh, then then that's where you would go like within 15 or 20 seconds of a google search query you would land on biz buy sell and then if you're a seller that's where you would go to list your business so Mm -hmm. Um, 
uh, we've worked with we've worked with uh, buyers that that have bought franchises in all sorts of industries, and mm-hmm. we've worked with sellers, both uh, uh, franchise and non-franchise yeah. sellers, to sell their business. So uh, that's what we do. Yeah, perfect. And uh, that's a very good uh, that, that, that's a very good answer. And there are a lot of things to uh, uh, to to learn. A lot of uh, golden nuggets that you have mentioned for uh, for the audience uh, with regards to uh, buying and selling a business, whether it's a franchise or not. Uh, now we are in a, as we said during the, at the the start of our conversation, we are in a living a pandemic at the moment, and uh, the economy is um, uh, not. Yeah, it's not completely stopped, but uh, of course, most of most of the economy at the moment is not uh, has not yet restarted. Uh, at the moment, uh, we are in uh, at the end of uh, of April, and at least in uh, I know that in Canada, in the US, uh, the economy has not uh, has not yet completely uh, reopened. So, uh, and you are in a CPA business, so you deal with the finances of <laughs> of your clients and in the business brokerage business. So what, what type of change do you see? What type of initiatives you are taking with uh, both of your businesses right now? Man, so, I mean, there are industries that got hit harder than others. Like if you're in if you're in a food service or retail, um, uh, hospitality, uh, the, the COVID-19 pandemic hurt you. And so, and like we have many... Uh, over in our CPA firm, we have all types of small business clients. We have restaurants, we have we have um, auto body shops, we have we have doctors, lawyers, uh, consultants, real estate professionals. Um, uh, we have some manufacturing companies. We have um, uh, we have uh, uh, really, I mean, just all sorts of different uh, professionals. We have many. We have many small business franchise clients as well, because that's another thing. Uh, I, 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 in addition to being a, a business broker franchise consultant, I've also built up a nice niche for myself with my affiliation with the, uh, with the, uh, with the franchise broker association as the affiliate CPA of the franchise broker association. So we have many small business franchises across, across the United States as, as CPA firms. And so many franchise businesses, depending on what their industry is, you know, have, have been impacted negatively by COVID-19. And so, I mean, really, I mean, Everything just came to a screeching halt, really, since like like or since like the second week of March, and and uh, and we're in this really interesting time that's unprecedented. Um, you know, I mean, there have been uh, there have been uh, like there was like the there was the the SARS the the SARS virus back, and I think that was '03. There was the H1N1 swine flu, I think, which was like yeah. back in '09. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we've never seen anything like this with uh, with coronavirus. And it's like the, the most interesting thing about coronavirus is is how it's um, it seems to spread. Like there are people that are carrying it. that don't even know that they're carrying it and they're not affected by it. And they're walking around and they're spreading it. And like so like mm-hmm. this one has kind of got like a camouflage characteristic to it that I think is really dangerous and which is really like it caused like the social distancing like obviously like the 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 numbers of like the deaths around the world you know we've never seen before um but uh um I mean it's I mean really there's no there's really I mean like plain and simply uh it's it's negatively affecting businesses and yeah. so I mean that's why every I, I mean so many business like so many of our of our accounting and tax clients are reaching out to us to help them apply for these for these um these payroll protection plan like mm-hmm. the, the these government uh, emergency loans the economic mm-hmm. injury disaster loans every every small every small business 
regardless of industry, uh, uh, we're encouraging them to apply for it because the worst thing, the worst thing that can happen is that the, is that they won't get applied, but you're never going to know unless you don't try. And so, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, we've been in a propped up economy since 2009, uh, and the economy was growing steadily, uh, throughout the, the, the decade of the 2010s. And mm-hmm. it was like, it, it, like, uh, capitalism, is cyclical in nature. And it was just a matter of time before it took a downward turn. And, but like, no one knew like what exactly what, like in 2007, 2008, it was the housing market. And now it's this uh, pandemic, this, pandemic, this, this, yeah. public, this public health crisis. And, and so it's just, I mean, a lot of businesses are just, I mean, the, 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 the numbers don't lie. I mean, there's record amounts of unemployment, a record amount of, uh, of, 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 of layoffs. And uh, so, I mean, uh, there are like, like, there are always going to be winners and losers in situations like this. And a mm-hmm. lot of it has to do with the, with the, the, the mindset and the approach of the business owner. So like, for example, like if you're in, if you're in the food service industry, mm-hmm. like you got negatively impacted. So are you just going to wait it out for things to get back to normal or are you going, or is this, is this um, recession, this, this coronavirus induced recession going to spur innovative thinking? And are you going to, uh, you know, try to cut your dining room size in half uh, and focus more on delivery technology? And mm-hmm. are you going to have more curbside pickup? I mean, that's just an example and things might get back to normal. And like, so like there's so much, like there's so much unknown right now, but uh, there's always like, but in my opinion, the winners are the ones that are in a situation of adversity that we're in right now. And, and they, and they use it as an opportunity to spur innovative thinking. Uh, and, 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 and in my opinion, the people that are losers that are going to lose are the ones that are just trying to like wait it out for things to go back to normal and things might go back to normal, but, but, it, it comes down to, are you playing offense or are you playing defense? And time you have to like always ask yourself, what are things that I can do differently? What, like, what are things that I can do differently that can spur, that can spur innovative thinking that can have a positive result in my business. And there's no easy way of doing it. You just have to do it and you have to, uh, and, and, and taking care of yourself and taking care of your health. Uh, like, both, can, you, uh, can you maybe el- um, elaborate on, on on that? Because indeed uh, during our conversation, you mentioned that uh, uh, in the past year, you did you did decide uh, to make some changes that had positive effects on your uh, overall health yeah absolutely like i've changed my life i mean i'm living the most amazing life right now god willing it, it keeps going like this and uh but like i've like i'm 33 years old and um and i was like super unhealthy that, like even like this time last year in march of 2019 around this time last year i probably like, I'll, I'll speak in kilograms um um, uh, because, uh, because the host of this show, show Diogen is based in Canada. Um, and so I, around this time in March, 2019, I had to weigh around 116, 118 kilograms. And today I weigh about 81 kilograms. Wow. So I've lost a bunch of weight in the last year. And, um, and I just, uh, I was just like, I, I've been, a, I've been a busy entrepreneur owning two businesses for about half a decade now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was, I mean, I'm, 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 uh, and I was just, like, I was, I, I've always been a perfectionist when it comes to my businesses, but I would, would, I, I was treating myself personally with such disrespect. I was overweight. I was stressing out all the time. I wasn't exercising enough. And so I just had enough, like I was, un- I was just uncomfortable in my own skin. I, I had to figure out a way to live this busy lifestyle that I live 
and, and do it in a way that's healthy, or I don't know like how much longer I was going to be able to last. I mean, my wife and I wanted to start a family and I'm, and, I, and I'm so ecstatic to, to tell you here today that we're expecting our first child in less than two wow. months. So super excited about yeah. that. And, um, but I just, I needed to make a change for myself, uh, in terms of my personal health. And so, so that's what I've done. So like, I've, I've lost the weight and I've been, I, I pretty much, I, like I, I started walking a bunch. And so I, I heavily compartmentalized my day. I, 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 I built out my team of, of CPAs and I, I built out my team of tax professionals to do a lot of the work that I was doing myself for many years. And so that's allowed me to, to go for a 90 minute walk every morning, seven days a week. And, and, and then I, I, I need to, uh, and then I've been networking a bunch with people. So I've really been tripling down on my networking since, uh, since like August, September of 2019 through mm-hmm. now. And I've just been having so much fun with it. Uh, and then, but like, and I, I multitask, like when I'm walking during the morning, I take a lot of phone calls. Cause that's a way, that's a perfect time for me to take phone calls. Cause I'm out walking. So I take a lot of phone calls when I'm walking, I do a quick little workout after I walk, then I go to the office and I put in work. Uh, you know, for six or seven hours of the day, I drink a lot of water. Uh, but I you know, write emails, review tax returns, uh, communicate with my team, communicate with clients, put out fires, do whatever I have to do for that for that day's uh, w- w- workload. That's what I do, and then I come home and I eat dinner. But so pretty much, um, my my spiritual journey in terms of my health, it, it's really been evolving as the months have been going on. It's been super fun. So. I, I started intermittent fasting in December of 2019 and like everyone's different. Okay. And so in, in December, 2019, I started intermittent fasting. And so like I started doing like eight hours. I started fasting for 16 hours of each day and, and eating only in an eight hour window. And I kept, and I kept doing that. And then I, but like now here I am in April of 2020 and now I, I fast. I really, like I literally, I fast for like 22 hours a day. I drink so much water and, and, and I'm not recommending, like, this is just my story. Like, uh, and, like, yeah. and, like I, I mean, you, 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 own, you run two yeah. businesses, uh, without overeating, you know, uh, for, for a lot of people just running one, uh, can uh, represent a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Uh, but you, at least even if you would feel it, you would not translate it into, uh, into overeating. Uh, so, and you, you, uh, you have the discipline to work every day for an hour. So I think it is a great uh, segue after all the things that we have uh, uh, talked about during this interview uh, to go towards the, the final question of the show, uh, which is uh, for you, Michael, uh, what does having a consulting lifestyle mean? Oh man, such a great question. I'm so, and, and number one, Diogen, it's been an honor to be a guest on the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for, uh, for having me. Um, but, uh, so being, so being, uh, so what does it mean to have a consulting lifestyle? Is that the question? So for me, it's life. It's uh, the, the key word in that is lifestyle. Like it is the lifestyle of choice. It is a a consultant is is by definition like you know like most consultants like yourself and like me we're self-employed and um and like we have our own business like we're solo you know like, like a lot of consultants out there are solopreneurs but they're still self-employed and so the the it, it is the the preferred lifestyle for me i mean so 
I like the consultant lifestyle for me. I love it because it, it is just like, I, I, when I think of, of being a consult, like of having a consulting lifestyle, I think of control over my schedule. Uh, like there need, there, there's always work that needs to get done, but it can get done on my time. I don't have to answer to a, to a boss. Yes. I have to answer to my clients. Yes. I have to answer to my coworkers. Like, but, but, but being a, a consult, you know, the consulting lifestyle, when I hear that, I just think of, I think to me, what that means is having autonomy of, of my own schedule to be able to build a life to, to be like when it comes to my lifestyle in the context of work, I can control it much more than a lot of people out there can control their work life. A lot of people out there that are employees, they have to be at work at nine and leave at five. And they are, you know, pretty much they, they are beholden to their corporate bosses. And there's a lot of restrictions there in that type of lifestyle. When I think of the consulting lifestyle, I think of more freedom. I think of more freedom and flexibility. And we all want to make money and money is great. I understand that. But to me, what I love about being a business owner, you know, a, and a consultant is a self-employed, what I love about being self-employed, whether you're a solopreneur or you are a, a business owner that has staff, um, what I love about being self-employed is the lifestyle of the self-employed, the self-employed, like, like your podcast is like the consulting lifestyle. And I think that a, a synonymous term with that, with the consulting lifestyle is the self-employed lifestyle. Everyone's different. There are people out there and like self-awareness is key. Like w- what makes you happy? There are people out there that would just love to just have a job where they can just go work from nine to five. And when they, and only think about work when they're at work. And then when they leave work at five o'clock, they can turn off the work switch for the rest of the day and go spend time with family, go do personal stuff, go spend time with the kids. And then don't even think about work until they come into work the next day at nine o'clock. And I get that. And when it's the weekends, like, I mean, like I work over the weekends. I love it though, because I work for my self but everyone's different so like for me the consultant lifestyle means freedom and flexibility and 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 the ability to work when it comes to work to work for something that is my own and, and there's something fulfilling about working a business that is my own as opposed to working a business that's someone else's and so when i think of the consultant lifestyle i think of uh, someone who's living a life like i like i think of a lifestyle that really um is fulfilling because i i'm working for myself and i'm able to, and and it's fulfilling because i'm able to work when i want to work i'm able to i'm able to I, i'm able to determine when i work and when i don't work and it and it allows me it allows me the ability to kind of create the way that I want to create. And it just gives me control and flexibility. And it's the preferred lifestyle of choice. Money is money. But for me, what I love about the consultant lifestyle is just, is that second word lifestyle. lifestyle. It's the lifestyle for me. And, and everyone has to figure out what is their preferred lifestyle, being a business owner, being self-employed and all the challenges that come along with it is the lifestyle for me because it gets, it's so invigorating. It gets my juices flowing. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, it's so exciting to wake up each day knowing that there's, you know, there's so many things in the business and and knowing that it's my Mm -hmm. business. That's what makes all the difference no, for me. Perfect, perfect answer, uh, uh, Michael. And uh, it was a wonderful conversation that uh, that we had. We went through so many, uh, so many subjects, and we and we went deep. Uh, and uh, I wish you the best uh, in uh, in the next uh, within two months uh, with your uh, your first baby. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
And congratulations on you and your recent wedding. Yeah, congratulations. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, uh, we will, uh, as well, we will mention uh, where can uh, people find you? Because I know uh, I can uh, contact you on uh, on LinkedIn and uh, maybe there is, a, there is another website uh, where people can uh, get in touch with you. Yeah. So, 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 so just to keep it simple for the audience, uh, I'm, I'm really big on LinkedIn. So Michael, I reader, that's Michael, I reader, M I C H A E L. Then my middle initial is I as an igloo and then reader R E E D E R. Look me up on LinkedIn and send me a connection request. That's the best way to get me. Uh, I also have, uh, my, my CPA firm, Swartz and reader advisors has a website, just Google search Swartz and reader Chicago. Um, we were on all the social media platforms too. So uh, Swartz and reader, um, and, 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 and biz Fran hub, our business brokerage franchise consulting firm, biz Fran hub, B I Z F R A N H U B. You can Google search biz Fran hub. It was formerly known as on pace franchise and biz hub. And we're still waiting for Google to, uh, uh, to transition the name. Uh, so it gets redirected to biz Fran hub. Um, But uh, the easiest way to get a hold of me is just send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'll accept it. And um, and 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 once you're connected with me on LinkedIn, just send me a DM, and you got. I'll provide you my cell phone and my email address there. If we're connected on LinkedIn, you'll see my contact information. It's all yeah. there. Uh, and once we're connected on LinkedIn, I'm a LinkedIn message away. I'm a I'm a text message away. I'm a WhatsApp call away as Diogen can attest exactly. to let's get connected and let's schedule a time to, 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 to talk. I'm, I'm, I, I'm an avid networker. I love the, I love human connection. I love to just have conversations with people. Like I had such a great conversation with Diogen a couple months ago and now we're jamming out again on this podcast right now. It's super fun. Uh, it was just, um, there's like, uh, uh, like, I mean, Diogen, like your energy is contagious, man. Like, uh, you, you have such a positive outlook on life and you're, and you're always, and like, I'm just really admire you for, for all of your ambitions and passions and the way that you approach life and your love for human connection as well. So I'm out here just looking to connect and network with people for this, for the purpose of, of just connecting and networking. As I tell people, if we do business together, great. If we don't do business together, great. If we refer business to each other, great. And if we don't refer business to each other, that's great. Like, like I'm out here just to connect with people and cultivate relationships and whatever those relationships manifest into, so be it. And we're never going to know unless we have a conversation with each other. So reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let's connect and let's have a conversation. I look forward to, I look forward to speaking with you oh, all. Perfect. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Michael. And uh, for sure, uh, we try to have another, uh, another conversation next time. So uh, thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Diogen. Thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host, Diogène Tirandekoura.